Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We'll rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Body Parts. Thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. In Body Parts, Bill Cruikshank, played by Jeff Fahey, is involved in a near-fatal car accident while heading to work. He is thrown out of the windshield and he loses his left arm in the incident. Dr. Agatha Webb, played by Lindsay Duncan, gets permission to perform an arm transplant on Bill, but the donor is a vicious death row inmate. Now that Bill has recovered, he is starting to have nasty visions and his new arm seems to have a mind of its own. Screenplay by Eric Red and Norman Snyder, directed by Eric Red, and released on August 2nd, 1991. Have you seen Body Parts before? No. I feel like of any that we've seen recently, this is probably the most likely that you would have. Just because it got like a theatrical release and, you know... I think horror I've, thriller type of thing so yeah i think i've seen this box art definitely seen the box art at blockbuster but i never got it well like when i was younger we didn't rent scary movies because no one in my family really wanted to watch them so like and then I didn't want to watch it alone so I just never got scary movies I would just whatever was on cable or TV that was like a scary movie is when I saw a scary movie yeah I thought maybe you might have seen this on HBO or something back in the day I don't remember this I the guy like like halfway through the movie I was like oh my god this is the lawnmower man <laughs> like yeah because I used to watch lawnmower man and that freaked me out Oh, I, when I, Lawnmower Man is one of the quote-unquote scary movies I did see as a kid, and I did not think it was scary in any way. Really? I <laughs> oh. thought he was scary when he became the Lawnmower Man. Maybe I just uh, couldn't get past the computer graphics of the whole situation, perhaps. I don't oh, know. Oh, all right. But yeah, he got a Fangoria Chainsaw nomination for Lawnmower Man. Uh, Jeff Fahey did. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen the box of this one as well, but I never saw it. Uh, I mean, the name, Body Parts, kind of insinuates that it would be something of a Frankenstein tale. I mean, In a way of. it is. I mean, yeah, you've got, I mean, Frankenstein, who is the doctor, you have these doctors who are like Frankenstein trying to play God in a way by doing these experimental transplants. Yeah, it's it, it's um, it's a twist on it. So you know, if you if you want to avoid spoilers, I mean, we always get into them in this podcast at some point. We're gonna start now. <laughs> uh, it the body is split between multiple people, mm-hmm. and, and so the guy is coming to life 
through these other people. And the dead whoever guy, the, the dead <laughs> convict, the death yeah. row inmate, uh, what, what's his name? It's Charles Fletcher. Mm-hmm. He's whoever has Charles Fletcher's head, which that must have just been like some completely unsanctioned operation that Dr. Webb did that we just don't get to see or know anything about. Yeah. You know, that that's one thing that I really wish would have well, there's a few things Seeing I wish would have done differently in this, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or just get more background of it. Like see I understand having the reveal of Dr. Webb being also a bad guy comes near the end and it's supposed to be a reveal when everyone kinda knows what's happening in the first place. So it would have been nice to see more about the circumstances around that. Like, how did she actually find the person to donate the body to put the head on? Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Like, why... I mean, I understand that it's a death row inmate. And, yeah, like, was the death row inmate, did he sign up for this? Or they they were like, you know, you could either die this way, this way, or this way. Right. Like, we'll split your body up and give you your parts away to other people. Yeah, and as far as I recall, there's no connection between Dr. Webb and, and Charles Fletcher personally. Right? So it's not like she's specifically trying to bring him back. Yeah, it's just so like... So then she why would just... she mess with the head of a serial killer when she can just do the other body parts? You know, that, that kind of part, that, that stuff is kind of missing from It would have been cool if they showed another, like, other bodies. Not just this one guy, Charles Fletcher's body, being used amongst, like, three or four different people. How would you want to do that? Would you want, like, multiple serial killers across the land? Or are you talking about just see other... Like, if are there other death row inmates that <laughs> signed up for this? I don't know. Okay. Or... Yeah. And, like, what if they use their one... Like, what if these people used... uh, Like, one guy is like, okay, I'm just gonna give my... Like, he's still alive in death row, but his... Like, they chopped Mm -hmm. his arm off and gave his arm to someone else. Yeah, like, the progression leading up to this whole thing of the whole body being split. Yeah. Like, partial inmates on people who are still alive. Or... to see that. Yeah, or seeing them yeah like five i don't know i'm I'm thinking of like they should have made like a sequel and then i'll come up with this (laughs) where it's like five or six just different guys on death row or something one of them has like a missing leg one has a missing arm you know whatever i mean obviously someone with a missing head is dead well, Even though they're the, keeping his... Except for Charles Fletcher, who's coming <laughs> to collect his body parts. Near yeah, but, you know, you see all these guys... Like, that would have been a little bit more morbid, I think. It would have. It would have... I mean, there's a couple different ways this movie could have gone. I think that would have been really interesting. And definitely or, would have played towards, like, a Nazi Or using, Germany like, parallel, their... But... Their... Like, someone cut out one of their kidneys or something you know yeah, yeah. like using their Simple internal organs. Orga- organs like one of them has their heart taken mm-hmm. well i think that's also one of the things that i wish this movie would have done a little bit differently is so bill crushank he is a professor who's doing a lot of research on psychology and he's interviewing inmates 
to learn their personalities and you know like if you watch Netflix's Mindhunter it's like that type of type scenario where he's just interviewing inmates and trying to get in their heads and understand them and his goal is to cure this broken mind uh, yeah. ultimately and so when his arm starts taking over and making him see things and have these weird thoughts they don't really dive into the actual psychology of it ever they don't really you know the doctor says oh it's all in your mind because she's mm-hmm. in on it right? yeah, yeah and the wife is like oh well it's all in your mind because the doctor says so so <laughs> you know and plus it's ridiculous you know it sounds like it's a ridiculous thing that your arm can control you and make you do different thoughts in your head you know you're not a serial killer just because you have his arm but they should have like played up that angle a little bit more and, and maybe talked about you know like make him struggle mentally with the whole situation and show you know is this in my head was i already wanting to commit these actions and now i just have an excuse to do so yeah or is the arm actually making me do that they don't really get into like they have like one line of dialogue that kind of says that but it's not really explored within the narrative he's just saying i'm having these visions after this arm transplant yeah and i think there's ways to to do that especially with the supporting characters where you have remo lacy played by brad dorif and you have mark draper played by peter mernick who are the other recipients so draper received both of the legs and then lacy received the other arm neither of them are having the same negative stuff really for a while i don't think remo ever does he just he has the visions but he he's using it visions. for his part yeah and he's not experiencing any negative connotations but he's not that. yeah because he's not using his arm well because you know like bill crushank when he's playing with his son or well because remo is just like this lonely artist bill mm-hmm. crushank is interacting interacting with his family and like his the one scene where he was like messing around with his son and then all of a sudden like fucking smacks him across the head yeah they're like wrestling on the ground and then he just yeah just wallops him there's another time where he's like he wakes up and he's strangling his wife with that arm Mm -hmm. so remo he's just kind of like this loner guy so but yeah it could have shown him doing something like that with his arm it could have. And the only thing that we because see with Draper is he's in traffic. And, and then all of a sudden his legs, his legs go out of control to... and run red lights and he gets possibly, you know, close to in accidents and stuff. So, I mean... And then <laughs> they, it's yeah, funny they how... Explo- yeah, but both of them are also very happy with the situation and they don't want to reverse the operations because, you know, hey, I had no legs before and now I can dunk a basketball. Yeah, I can, yeah, he (laughs) fully learns how to walk and jump and become a basketball player all over again. And Remo's like, I can make a lot of money with this art because, yeah, I'm having visions, but it's just images in my mind, you know, like I'm painting them and Mm -hmm. I'm selling them for a lot of money. There's no downside to what happened to me right now. Yeah. So they have that side of things. And so almost, it almost would have been better to not see Draper have car scene because that would have led to the psychology part of, of it of, of it just being in bill's mind and yeah. he's the only one out of the three that has a problem with it 
Yeah. But it didn't happen that way. Um, I was going to say something else about the um, the accident, I think. Uh, so... The fir- his first accident? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, the I, I just accident really... on why his arm was <laughs> going to be ripped off? Yeah, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere... You know, I don't know. Like the, the movie, okay. The, <laughs> the the movie is a slow burn for a while. It's very much like The Unborn to me, in its structure, and also some of the subject matter, really. Yeah, I mean, I was comparing this movie, where The Unborn, but then yeah, because even at the end, where yeah. the body, where he sees the body in that glass and it's moving around. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of. Um, Terror within two, but they didn't have that. No, not really. Okay, yeah, it was yeah, the unborn. It, it's the unborn, and, and that would have again leading to your, you know, um, alternate plot of having multiple people and multiple bodies and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it would have been cool to see multiple tanks of bodies yeah, just ready not to be transplanted onto guys. people. That's what I. It would have been cool to see that, like they've done that. It's like as if this one guy is their first transplant donor, quote-unquote. Yeah. And this is the first experiment. But I would have liked to have seen it done. Like when Bill Crushank does come at the near the very end to the doctor's office and sees, you know, the torso, like, moving back and forth. And then um, it's his other arm and then the two legs because the guy is trying to come back together. Yeah. <laughs> the the dead guy, the donor guy. <laughs> and it would have been cool to see other just floating bodies doing that too. <laughs> it's such a weird As thing. As if There's... they... There should be more people... Then it would have put it in, like, Bill Bill's mind, like, oh, there's other people out there uh-huh. that are from other serial killers or death row inmates. Yeah, like, he could have seen the tattoos on the arms and other tanks or something like that, too, because that's how he learns yeah. that it's a serial killer, is that he's interviewing this guy, Ray, who's on death row. Um, he has the same tattoo. After the transplant, he sees that Bill has that tattoo, and he's like, no, get away from me. Like, that means you're weird, which is weird, because they both have the same tattoo, so he's like, he, he, he like freaks out. He's like, like, "Oh my me. gosh, you're yeah, you're, you're this this arm belonged to somebody, you know, really terrible." Well, like, the, well, so were you? Like, you're in the same exact situation. I think maybe because he was sort of looking up to him as a a doctor, sort of like as if why would a death row inmate be this psychologist? I don't know. I I don't know what. Ray's purpose is aside from to identify the tattoo um I guess to establish Bill's character a little bit uh so Ray Kohlberg is on death row and he's being interviewed at the beginning and this is another problem that I have with the movie it's it's very close to it it wants to be higher art than what it is it tries to play with like filmmaking a bit um you know like uh well okay when he's interviewing Ray you know, you have Ray's eyes in shadow and the mouth is in, like, 
light. And it's just weird to split the face up like that, mm. unless there's an actual purpose to it. Like, are you trying to say something about, you know, what his words mean versus what he's saying with this? You know, like, there, there's a lot of stuff like that that happens in there. Or when you see Bill about to be operated on and he's being wheeled into the uh, into the room everything is stretched horizontally and like smushed mm. and uh, I don't know <laughs> and there's like weird like zoom effects and a lot of like some cheesy cam work in that way and it's, it's trying to put like a visual flair onto things and it just doesn't land for me it doesn't have a purpose so that, that's part of it. it and so yeah Ray is all over the place with his conversations in the first conversation too because he's saying things like no I don't regret murdering this person at all and then three seconds later he's like fix me you'll fix me fix me I'm a terrible person you know he just does 180s all the time yeah so maybe that's just why Ray freaks out when he sees the tattoo is because that's just him and unpredictable Loose cannon. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so when, after his accident and his wife is has to make this life or death, like... Well, not really life or death, but arm or no arm. Decision, yeah, really. I would just be like, okay, he's going to be sans arm. I'm sorry. If he's still going to be alive... It's it's weird that it's her choice when we see that Bill is conscious. He's still so... Yeah, they're putting him... While they're cutting him, they're in the process of putting him under. Yeah, they have not so put him under by the time he's in the operating room. So he's starting to see a chainsaw go down on his arm while they and put... And he sees the inmate's head get ripped off. Yeah. Before he gets he put under. Made, they could... And it... That well, I was thinking, was his arm really? I feel like maybe they lied to the wife and him. They were just like, "Oh, we found this guy in this horrible car car accident." I feel like maybe his arm was fine, and they just wanted to experiment anyway and just take his arm. That would be cool if that's true. Um, from what I know of the his deleted scenes, was, it's oh, not. Oh. Supposedly there was something that the studio asked to be removed from the film because of the gore of it. But when he gets into the car accident and thrown from the windshield, which is... That it, it's, accident it's interesting. is bonkers. I don't and that stuntman really did hurt himself. That was a real person flying through the That's air that insane high. Because... And he did hurt himself, and that's the take that stayed in the movie. Um... Because he hits over... It's a truck. A truck rear-ends him at full speed, apparently. After and he's been stopped. he's because... obviously not wearing a seatbelt because he, his full body goes through the windshield. But it goes up. Like, his body goes yeah. up over the... It's ejected upwards over the other car that he slammed into. Yeah! So, like, a car loses its wheel. And so Bill has to stop to avoid hitting it. And then a truck just plows through them both. Right. And he's sandwiched in and, and sort of popped out. Um, there was a scene that was deleted from that where he's laying on the pavement after the car crash and you see his point of view staring at a severed arm. Uh, okay. Well, th- how is that gory? Because it's a severed arm. 
I mean, I feel like we see that now on Grey's Anatomy. And, and like, you also see it several other times in this movie. So Yeah, the, we there don't are other the gory things. It. I mean, there could have been like weird like effects and pools like of blood was, from his his It was socket. still flopping up and down like a fish or something. Could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... It, I mean, that would have been cool to see. <laughs> yeah, it would have, but mm. we don't get to see it. Uh, okay, so they didn't... So they did not plan for it to be... Oh, uh, all right. I mean, that would have been kind of We're creating a more intricate... <laughs> yeah, I'm creating more of an interesting story I would have liked to have seen. Because that's what I thought. I was like, is his arm really severed or was his arm really hurt? Because the way that they were cutting it, it, it was like right at the shoulder. I mean, when he is being stretched in and he's still conscious, you do see his eyes open with like the stump. Like you, oh, okay. you do see that, but that doesn't mean that they took it off before wheeling him in. If you want to play it that way, you could have. So, anyway, he gets his new arm after, you know... He does all this, like, some... physical therapy. This is regarding Henry. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a silent scene. There's, like, no noise at all throughout that entire scene of him trying to lift this tiny little dumbbell. Yeah, and like, it's no five minutes noise, long, but no music. It takes a long time to like, do physical therapy, especially if you have no feelings or whatever in your whatever body part you need to fix or work on. It takes like a couple of months at least. Yeah, it's it's very 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 short montage once it gets going. But that first shot of him with the nurse behind him is just it's dead silent and no one's talking to each other it's like no words of encouragement or anything like that yeah just... everyone's just watching him to see if this arm works and it and it suddenly jerks into position and does something good and then a couple shots of a montage later he's ready to leave the hospital so i mean that's fine i'm glad that they didn't waste a whole lot of time yeah on it we didn't but i do kind of wonder it's funny I do kind of wonder how helpful this new arm really would have been because when they show it, it's all cut to shit. There are scars everywhere on every single muscle of this thing. Yeah, I was saying, and is like, he, why? It's a his right arm. Uh, his left. His right. Yeah, because uh, the he's right-handed because he was writing with that hand. Yeah. And he had and to he have re. Face, which he had to have relearned to write but what happened to the inmate before the arm got cut off to make it so scarred his, up he was an inmate maybe the inmate was cutting his muscles along the beating the arteries and stuff yeah i don't know it, it just didn't make sense it's like this does not look it like makes it look arm. as if it's very frankensteinish like yeah. they did it's just to make it look more gory stitches than it up and be. down his arm or whatever there's no reason for the doctors to cut the biceps and triceps and stuff like that open and the arm looks a lot like his thing. other arm wouldn't oh, yeah. i mean how do you get exact donors and plus you would need someone who had the same blood type as you to do this transplant and i'm okay what with if the guy had that, one but... jacked arm and then one normal arm you know yeah <laughs> it would have been funny to see that though. It, yeah it would have been and um then I was thinking, like, this guy, ha when they take, when he's like, I want to find out who I got my arm from. So he goes and gets 
his fingerprints from the new arm. And I was like, this guy has two different fingerprints. Mm -hmm. So he could be, he could, he himself could be like a serial killer or a burglar using that one hand. Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking about the different fingerprints he has. Yeah. Yeah. So like once he learns that from Ray that his and they would have to like give him a new identity or I don't I I was thinking of like more things along the line (laughs) (laughs) so he's interviewing Ray at the police station and immediately after finding out his arm came from a death row inmate that's when he goes to you know the person at the fingerprint desk and says hey take my fingerprints and then run them through the screen and you get those wonderful 1991 computer graphics that you always see in you know those just cheesy pre-programmed computer programs that make it look, you know, like the fingerprints being analyzed and makes it look more high tech than it's supposed to be in real life. And yeah, Charles Fletcher comes through with like a huge long list of stuff that he had done. And the word executed starts flashing on the screen and it zooms in on that, of course. I mean, so he's technically dead. So the fingerprints, yeah, the obviously not Bill. Yeah, but the guy, the donor, yeah. the serial killer. So, I don't know. It's just, I was like, he has a dead man's fingerprint. Mm-hmm. But they don't do anything with that information other than to use it to confirm. To be like, that. oh, well, your hand came from here. But if this were back in, after his accident when his wife had to quickly sign these papers wouldn't they have to tell this information to them you know i don't know what that I don't... came from a death row inmate yeah i don't know i, I i've never dealt with the donor process at yeah all, see so. i don't know like say I know if like i if... die because i know you know on your driver's license you can say that you're a donor i don't know do i guess they won't tell yeah the they person. won't say oh this came from john this came from nikki like why would just why would like, the name of the person necessarily well matter? i don't know this be like this came from a woman who died three hours ago or something yeah. i don't know and maybe they want to remain anonymous and that's their right too yeah think, but so i'm not so much worried about that side what I am kind of worried about is how Bill. Well, because then so the wife would have been like, "No, I don't want my husband to have some serial killer arm." Right, but obviously the doctor is going to hide that because yeah. of her position in this whole thing. Um, what I do find weird is that Bill is able to very easily obtain all of the records of everyone else who got the parts. I mean, it's just two people, but it's just it's right there for yeah, him to take. Yeah, he got those records real quick. He's so I don't remember how he found out about Draper's legs, legs and his rehab. But he's there while Draper is rehabbing, and he like he's able to sneak into the room after Doctor Webb leaves, and just pick up the file and look through it. And it has both Draper and Remo. Their names, yeah. His bo- why would it have a both book. of them? It's like a booklet. Yeah, like Remo's not rehabbing right now why would he even be on why would he be in that file it doesn't make sense it's because it's connected to that donor yeah so there's a lot of stuff that bothers me with this movie i I will (laughs) say like as much as we're like we're nitpicking i don't know if it's even nitpicking as, as much as we're pulling apart the plot 
I did ultimately like this. Yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> this is actually a, a good movie. Because <laughs> I was, like, into it. I was like, what's going to happen next? It kind of felt like a, a mix between The Unborn and A Kiss Before Dying to me, but good. But better than both. Yeah, but better than both. But we're still, like, nitpicking yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, that's kind of the fun of horror movies, I guess. And, you know, like... Yeah, at the I end, mean, I was he's, like just in an empty hospital. I, that's become. Like, I mean, the I was enjoying the movie, but I was just like, you know, going to the nth degree and asking myself questions: why, why this, and why that. That's why I was like googling: can you? Is there successful arm and leg transplants in the world? Like, I just started going on like a rabbit hole of trans, like limb transplants. I don't know if anyone's trying that anymore. Uh, I found one. But I don't know if anyone's trying it too much anymore because oh, yeah. there's such advancements in the robotic you know how, and like, prosthetic legs that they don't need to. Right. Well, I found one where a guy, this was from The Guardian, it was an Icelandic man. And this was a almost like a year and a half ago in January 2021 it was a man who lost both his arms during like a freak work accident but it took 23 years to find donors for a double arm and shoulder transplant and it was successful according to this article that's the only one where I was like were there any successful arm, limb transplants out there. Because I know, you know, people get are starting to get face transplants, and that... Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But... And you've heard that's, stories that's about... skin. This is not, like, putting, like, bone to bone, you know? Right. I'm trying... I don't know. Yeah, like, infusing the muscles from one person to another. Yeah. Complicated, obviously. Yeah. There's, I mean, you've heard the stories as well about organs coming right. from certain people and people adopting the behaviors or the mannerisms of the organs. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know if that started, if those stories started popping up before this movie or not. Probably they did. But this is, I, I don't know the source material very well, but this is actually based off of a French novel from, yeah. what, the 1800s? So, or early 1900s. Yeah, it's called Choice Cuts, and there was two French authors. I'll let you pronounce their names. Pierre, I got that one. Yeah, Pierre Boileau, and then they're both called Pierre. Oh, I have Thomas. Oh, okay, it's Pierre Boileau and Pierre Irod. I probably guess, but he's also known as Thomas Narsajek. That's what I have. They do a lot of... A lot of the books that they write are the psychological suspense, and they do... A a lot of the movies came from Alfred Hitchcock, like Vertigo. Sure, yeah. And they did Diabolique. So, I mean... Yeah, they had, like... The novels that those... Yeah, from those movies. And so, yeah, they probably did dive into the more of the mental side of things in the novel version of this. Yeah, these are from novels from the early 1900s that they wrote together. And, um, 
But I mean, you do. I've I've heard those stories of yeah, I got. You know the the organ of this person, and I started acting like them a little bit more. Yeah, there was so like that that does resonate as a thing that could be. There was that one movie. Um, with Sean Penn, where he got the heart, twenty one grams. Didn't see it. Oh, that's I thought about that because he got a heart transplant. But and then I was also thinking of you know idle hands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's not a transplant. That's just like your hand started to get a mind of its own. Like you know. Wasn't that a hand? What? Uh, I don't remember anymore. It was attached to him at one point, wasn't it? In idle hands. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I saw I that movie it, once. Yeah, I saw it way back. A long time ago. 20-something <laughs> years ago. And then... But same basic. Thing. Yeah. But let's get back to the uh, the empty hospital near the end, because that is becoming such a big pet peeve of mine. It's now happened in, what, two movies in a row? Because in 976 Evil... Well, I guess it was an empty police station. But same basic type of situation, where... There's just this, no one working. There's no station. staff in this massive 24-hour building mm-hmm. of public service. And Bill is able to just walk right into this room where there's all these body parts in the tank waiting for him to discover. Yeah, and it just seems as if... Like, who else? What? This is a hospital. Yeah. It just seems it's an as operating if, wing of a hospital. As if the only doctor that's in that entire hospital is Doctor Webb. Right. I don't know. It's becoming like a pet peeve of mine because it's it's too frequent. <laughs> it's it's not it's like either we get in sleep, overcrowded hospitals like in, in sleeping with movies. the enemy where she had to look like a man to, right. <laughs> to go see her mom. Because it's yeah. Because there was just so many people, Too many people. And or you have one doctor in a gigantic hospital, maybe? Yeah, it's either the hospital is so overcrowded that everyone has to be operated on in the hallways, like we've seen in pretty much every other nineteen ninety one movie. Mm. Or there's nobody working in the hospitals. I think it's just a horror movie thing. It's like the most recent Scream movie also did this stupid thing where it's like an entire wing yeah, of a hospital. Yeah, there's a whole floor where no one's around. Someone who's supposed to well, be guarded okay, 24 hours a day. Okay, I don't know. We're getting into, like, but, the times where I have been to a hospital, there there are certain wings where I'm... There is a time where I got lost <laughs> once, and I was like, no one's on this floor. So maybe, sure. I can understand <laughs> that there would be certain areas that would be... There might be people... I didn't open all these right random now. doors, but... That entire hallway was empty with no one, so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I <laughs> it could be a giant hospital. Whatever. There's a lot of problems with this movie, and I <laughs> want to get into what happened and how those body parts got into the tank in a second. All right. But I think it's also important to recognize how bad some of this dialogue is. It is very... I don't know, it was laughable at times. It, it's it's a lot of the typical stuff that you would expect to hear in these, and it, and it never goes in a, it never goes into that deep philosophical direction that you want it to. Uh, it, it's a lot of stuff like, oh, does it bother you to touch my scars? It's like, oh, it's to so gross, wife? dad. Yeah. Uh, or the kids. And then yeah, the kids they're... like, oh, it's so gross, dad. And like the kids like, oh, mommy, it's a it's an arm. 
It's an R. <laughs> or like when the kid like gets smacked when they're wrestling and he's like, Mommy, what's wrong with Daddy? He's like, come on. <laughs> like, it's just like the cheesiest stupid dialogue. I don't know. The whole thing with the kids were a little weird because after he comes back from his arm being fully working, I guess, you know, they show like him and his wife. Making out. Making out in front of the kids, and the yeah. kids are just standing there staring at them, and then they just and start cracking laughing. up, and they're like, "Ha ha ha ha!" You're kissing each other, yeah. and then that was the end of that scene. Yeah. I mean, the stuff with the kids, whatever. Yeah, they're just kids, but then they're there to add some. <laughs> it was just like, da- "What's wrong with daddy?" And then the wife is like, "Don't you ever fucking touch my child again?" Yeah. and then that's when he. Like, she kicks him out, basically. or he... But then he's allowed to go into their room and talk to them about how he's leaving alone. Hmm? Like, immediately after. Um, wait, no. It was like... He got, he got kicked out after he started choking her. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, that was the first warning was when he smacked the shit out of his son. Yeah. His and first then... sign of trouble was when he cut himself shaving. Yeah. But the first sign that it affected other people is when he hit the son while they're wrestling. And then later he's choking the wife. Yeah. And, but then that's when he goes and tries to find Remo and. Yeah. And can I also say, I don't understand the, the fight with the wife that happened earlier in the movie. There's a part where he, he's studying in his, his office and she comes in really mad that he's studying in his office even though like the scene before that with them she said you're overreacting you know what you should do you should research into this stuff because that's what you're good at and then all of a sudden like he's researching stuff and talking to the doctor again and then she's mad at him for doing exactly what she, she said he should do. I don't know. I don't know if you <laughs> maybe it just stuff like that kind of throws me out of the movie. It's like this a lot of this is just unmotivated or or just cheesy tacky dialogue. I think the best uh, let's scenes get some are good with stuff. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> I think the best scenes are with Remo. Yeah, Remo's great and I wish I know he's the voice of Chucky and Brad Dorf, yeah, voice of Chucky. Which I wish I could see more of his acting than just, you know, him being Chucky now. Well, I'll tell you something. We'll see him a bunch in 1991. Okay. Do you want to know all the movies he's going to be in? Sure. All right, so Child's Play 3, of course, but we won't see him. Yeah, we'll just he's hear him. the voice. But beyond that, we got Murder Blues, Jungle Fever, he's in Jungle Fever, Chain Dance, Scream of Stone, and London Kills Me. So he's in like six, seven movies in 1991. Uh, so we'll talk about him a lot more later on as well. But yeah, he's the voice of Chucky and whatnot. I like him in this movie. He is great. He is amazing in this movie. He he has so much personality. He, I don't know, he's, he's a quirky artist, but not like overly so. He's like quasi-hippie-ish, but... Obviously capitalistic because he loves how much money he's well, making. Well, yeah, because he's living in this 
It's always, the artist always lives in some dinky studio random apartment that's, you know, like in some rundown building. And then when Bill finds his apartment and all his paintings, he's like, I'm going to make up to like a million dollars with this stuff. Like, he, and you know. I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> like, I'm happy about this. Like, I don't care if I'm having these visions. Yeah. Because like, these I... visions are what giving me the money. Right. He's like, oh, you're having the visions too? Cool. You painted that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's his mindset. Like, like leave yeah, me alone. Yeah, he was showing all the... F- <laughs> he was showing that what he used to do before the arm transplant, it was just random landscapes. And now it's all these visions of people it's like uh i kind of want to say candy man but sure yeah it's it's visions of the past crimes yeah but they're kind of close up it's not really right yeah it's like segments little tidbits of it yeah it's it's huge scenes not a literal painting of someone killing someone it's just kind of like a hand on a neck or something like that yeah, but yeah, yeah. very close up yeah um, or screaming faces or something like that like the scream or, or something like that but brad he steals every scene that he's in yeah he's great uh, and, and i wish he was in more of them there is you know that opening scene with where he first gets introduced after bill tracks him down steals medical records and then tracks him down uh and then there's also another scene after he finds draper and kind of tracks him down too and stalks draper really just follows him as he plays basketball and watches him do the slam dunk thing and then watches him get into this car accident thing and, and running then, red lights yeah after that accident he's like hey i can explain to you what you just did yeah <laughs> and he's like okay i mean it was just an accident but you know, hey, I have legs again, so it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But then, like, Draper and, and Remo and Bill all go to a bar together at some point, and they have a little interaction and sort of get the get the gang together before everything starts to really go to, to hell. But I really wish there would have been, I don't know, nothing against Peter Mernick, who played Mark Draper, but... I would have rather have just seen Remo. I don't think you need to have the third guy necessarily. I don't know, like maybe give Remo both of the legs or something. I don't I want more Brad Dorf screen time is what I'm trying to say. Maybe cut some of the scenes with Zake Smoke, who played Detective Sawchuck. As great as Zake's is typically, I didn't really like his performance as Detective Sawchuck in this. I didn't see the purpose of him being there most of the time. Yeah, I don't know. He just would pop up randomly. Yeah. Which, and again, one of the times he pops up randomly I was he because was... of bad writing from the script writers who, oh. who, you know, like, he arrests Bill because Bill's like, oh, yeah, I was just here. I was just here where this dead guy is. Don't worry about it. I thought He's like, well, I gotta arrest you a... now. Yeah, like, so there like, Just explain yourself. Bill's like, I'm too tired to give you a response, basically. I thought he was a doctor at first. Oh, Ziggs? 
Yeah. Yeah. Because they show him in the room where Bill was getting his arm transplant, but that's just, he was there just because of, well... He was one of, like, the 50 cops who were surrounding the murderer. The murderer, yeah. To well, make sure he didn't escape. We see, I mean, we see it later on in the movie, too, but in when Bill is getting his arm replaced you see all these guys with guns around and you're like why but then uh-huh. you realize it's because of this death row inmate being chopped up and then they leave as soon as the head comes off yeah, yeah. But i yeah, just he, i thought he was a, with, he was well, in yeah. that room and i thought he was a doctor like he was because he has overseen. the medical mask on and stuff yeah he's in the OR. and then i was like wait a second so he's a detective like halfway through i was like wait a second He's a detective. Yeah, because he yeah. shows up again halfway through and doesn't have anything else going on. I don't know. Uh, so, after they're at the bar, there's a big fight at the bar where the detective also shows up. And there's Is a little bit of a weird time them? jump. The I don't detective. Know, maybe, maybe the detective was the one, but why would the detective be called in to for the police call at the bar fight i don't know whatever i what what if he's just following them because he's on the case for this death row guy getting again i think you're making it and then people are like interesting than it actually is (laughs) and and then other people are like hey keep an eye out on these recipients of this guy's this dead guy death row inmate guy's parts so he's being the detective and like stalking them in a way unfortunately it's there's no evidence of that to put on my detective <laughs> I'm just, I'm just making no det- it more interesting <laughs> yeah uh after that bar fight happens draper apparently it's a different night but it, they make it seem like it's the exact same night yeah draper is in his apartment and he calls bill who's in a hotel now because he's been kicked out for um assaulting his wife so uh he calls to say hi basically (laughs) and then he gets interrupted by somebody coming to the door and the phone is off the hook and bill rushes over because he hears some struggle or something by the way bill draper not bill draper draper is i'm assuming that the building has an elevator but he's walking up multiple flights of stairs I think he just As wants guy, to use his new legs. I, I just I just hope that there is an elevator, because I'm just questioning, like, why would he have an upstairs apartment as a guy who had no legs in the first place? Anyway. He would have moved then. Maybe. Or there's an elevator somewhere in that building that we just don't see. But he's, like, really struggling to walk up those stairs. His legs are really bothering him, as if it's, like, a sign of something to come. I thought it was because he kicked Bill as part of the bar fight like the mm. the parts start sort of rebelling against each other a little bit and <laughs> and bill's bill's arm punches draper and so draper kicks bill into detective sawchuck but anyway bill goes over there and finds that draper is dead his legs have been removed <laughs> and that's when that's when the detective shows up again and arrests Bill because he doesn't have a good reason to say why he's there and he doesn't try to explain anything at all. Right. But he sa- he's able to convince Detective Sawchuck that Remo might also be in trouble 
So and yeah, so they go the, there they go preemptively. Berlin, yeah. And it turns out to be right because Remo is being thrown out the window right as the cop car arrives. Somehow, this whoever the fuck has Charles Fletcher's head yeah. is able to rip the arm out of the socket. I mean, it was a funny scene. Falling, yes, it is. It's, it's a funny I scene. I mean, but it's like, how is that? What a shitty operation this would have been. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's like they just use staples to, yeah. for these arms, but yeah, I mean that scene just made me laugh. Just seeing the arm just like rip straight. Yeah, just off. very clean. And then I was just laughing at because you see like the guy's head. Out of the ground. It's this. Oh, Remo's head. No. Oh. The transplant. Charles Fletcher's man, head. Yeah, Charles. Fletcher's head on someone else's body because he still has a neck brace. Yeah, to and hide the the neck makeup or whatever that they yeah. would have had to do otherwise to show the stitches and whatnot. <laughs> it was just funny. Yeah, I mean his facial reactions around. at all time were just like wide eyed and like eyebrows high. Yeah, it's it was cracking just me up. Just pure surprise the whole time. You recognize that guy though, right? Yeah, you yeah. said it was. Yeah, it's John Walsh who played the villain in FX2 who chased them around in the supermarket and got uh, saran wrapped mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, he's also going to be in Scanners 2. Wow. And and Deadly Surveillance in 1991. So very, very recognizable face to me just from FX2. <laughs> and a uh, very expressive one as well. Mostly a stuntman, so he does you know these type of non-verbal villain roles. But anyway, yeah, he pulls off the arm of Remo and then Remo lands on the comp car right when it arrives and crashes through the windshield and like you see this right. dummy version of Remo and in then it. Bill's and like see basically yeah it's like hey guess what it wasn't me yeah I don't know and then all of a sudden that got Charlie <laughs> Fletcher guy with the neck brace <laughs> drives on up and takes Bill Crushank's arm and he conveniently has handcuffs. handcuffs and handcuffs his arm to Bill's arm and then it's it's like another crazy chase scene. Why he couldn't just rip the arm out of the socket as yeah, well? Yeah, he could have just ripped it if out if you really want that arm. It's just like plucking a nose hair or whatever. You're like, why wouldn't you? It's, but it, it leads to a really fun yeah, the chase. chase scene was Well, I fun. guess it's not chase scene. Car- because they're well, side by side the entire time. So, not, high speed, whatever. So basically, like, yeah, Charles Fletcher is trying to speed up to rip... His arm off. Rip him out of the car, rip his arm off or whatever. And so the cop car, driven by Detective Sawchuck, is trying to keep pace to avoid from that stuff happening and, and to... Whatever. And it, yeah, a lot of traffic, as you can imagine, tons of trucks that they have to weave in and out of. Yeah, another cool car chase scene. Yeah, and eventually, you know, they get to a fork in the road, sort of, uh, this bridge underpass type of a thing, I don't know what it is, and they're able to use Detective's gun to shoot the, the handcuffs right on time before they had something bad happen. 
and then yeah the cop car spins out and the other car is able to keep going but then just inexplicably a couple seconds later his car spins out charles fletcher's car spins out i was like out how of did nowhere he, yeah how did he get to the hospital and put his body parts back into that tank thing so well, quickly i don't know but if if it was so vital to do the operation like immediately and there's no <clears throat> second to waste then what does it really say because his car spins out unprompted he's got and then explodes random legs in an arm yeah he has the he has the leg on the dashboard of the car as he's driving <laughs> <laughs> and like the arms mm-hmm. in the back seat so the car explodes but he's fine and the body parts the are body also parts he's are able fine. to scramble and like gather them all up like baguettes they, those <laughs> body parts would have to be on ice or something to keep them whatever uh, yeah. to keep them cool if you want to put your own body together I know they've been like flame broiled at this point and, and then the car explodes again as he's walking away with like a handful of body parts and that's, that's when the doctor like, shows he get... up and helps him. As if, I guess the doctor So then the doctor came, and then I was like, how did he get his arm and legs into that tank so quickly and whatever? I guess the doctor must have been following them as well. And then just, yeah, he because she shows up, and, and that's when we learn, oh, she's the bad guy, even though we knew before she was the bad guy. And then it turns into another cool scene where they just, you know, Bill's like, I, just take my arm, I don't want it. And that's when the doctor tries. No, no, no. He. Like earlier in the movie, he's like, I don't want this arm yeah, anymore. He, and the earlier, doctor refuses. She refuses, but then she's like, okay, I'll do it. But then he's like, no, I want my arm. I guess. And I then... think he just doesn't want the serial killer to be put back together because he knows that's what's happening now. Okay. So he's like, no, I'm not going to let this puzzle get put back together or something. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Because then they that's when the the Charlie Fletcher head guy (laughs) comes in with a, a gun again in this operating room. And shotgun. A, a shotgun, yeah. And they have a a fight, Bill and this Charlie Fletcher guy. I guess there's a shotgun and a handgun. Because it's not just Charlie Fletcher. There's some other thug nurse or whatever as well that gets killed. Yeah, the, I think it's just Charlie the nurse, the doctor, him. Bill, and then the Charlie Fletcher guy. Yeah, Charlie, like Charlie they're kills in this him secret on accident. Operating room. Yeah. So uh, yeah, whatever. They were they're about to saw off his arm, even though he's not gonna be anesthetized mm-hmm. <laughs> during this. Mm-hmm. And there's like a whole big fight. You know, he knocks out Doctor Webb for a while. She's kind of knocked out, like on the floor, and that's when he and Charlie Fletcher are fighting, and Charlie wants to shoot him, and then. That's, um, Bill has Detective Sawchuck's gun, right? Yeah. Yeah, not only did he steal the cop car he, he to chase the after, gun. to chase after them, but yes, he also has the gun. And that's when he uses <laughs> so, that gun to... Not arrested for any of these crimes at all. Right, well, I mean, he's defending himself. He's got, like, the stalking, the steel medical records thing, and 
yeah. The right, yeah. I mean, that stealing medical records is extremely. You would have. You to, can get fined for that. Yeah. Trust me. And then, yes, he kills the, the Charlie. Well, Charlie Fletcher shoots at him, but then ends up killing Doctor Webb, and that nurse person. And then, you know, Bill gets up and he shoots up his body in the tank first. He's, like, shooting up the torso, so, like, yeah. you can't use this body, so I'm gonna shoot it all up. Yeah, again, and like, the And then, like, the, the tank bursts and whatever. And then shoots the Charlie Fletcher head. And it explodes, basically. Yeah. And then it's all happy and he's with the wife at the park and evidently the... I guess the arm isn't acting up anymore because he still has the arm. Yeah, he still has the arm, and, and he's like writing a letter the to the doctor. Dead. He's like, he's writing a letter to the dead doctor saying, "Hey, the arm actually works now, so thank you for my new arm." The end. Yeah. It's a weird movie, and it's also like it's it's cheesy in a lot of the right ways. Yeah. And it does take a long time for it to really get going, but once it goes, it goes. So, it's a fun one. It was it was surprisingly fun, and it didn't start out that way. The first, yeah, the first half hour or something, I was like, ugh. Yeah. Kind of dreading the, the slow burn of it, but it finally picked up. But as we just said, there could have been a lot of different directions that it could have gone. Um, it had a decent amount of gore and effects in there, too, which is nice to see. It did have some awards, not, you know, major, major awards, but we're talking about, like, the Saturn Awards given out by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. It won for the best music by, I don't know how to pronounce this name, Loke Dicker? L-O-E-K-D-I-K-K-E-R. He's done movies like The Babysitter with, uh, what's-her-face, Alicia Silverstone, and oh. Pascali's Island, Fourth Man, and Iris. I don't know some of those movies, but he won the Saturn Award for Best Music. Uh, it was also nominated for the Saturn for Best Horror Film, but lost to Silence of the Lambs. Best Director, lost to James Cameron for T2. And Best Makeup uh, of Gord Gordon J. Smith did the makeup, but he lost to Silence of the Lambs for makeup. Just a weird choice. The uh, score was really good. Yeah, it was. And it in, was sort of like 50s, 60s thriller-ish in a way. And but... Yeah, and the beginning the beginning credits were cool because it shows mm. the random body parts and then this kind of like eerie music. And so it has, it's, it's all in red with black background, so it's sort of like, um, it look, a lot of them look like wood carvings to me. Like wood yeah. carving prints, but with red ink. It was, it was another cool opening credit sequence, and I wish there was more of those these days in movies. Uh, so aside from the Saturn Awards, also the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. It was just nominated for a couple things. We got Best Supporting Actress for uh, Miss Lindsay Duncan, but she lost to Christina Ricci for Adam's Family. Uh, Best Soundtrack, so uh, Loke Dicker was nominated for a soundtrack, but lost to T2 with the iconic, you know, da 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 and then makeup effects also lost to T2. It did win the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for the Best Supporting Actor, Brad Dorif, though. To add to his Oscar nomination and 
Golden Globe and BAFTA winning role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Emmy nomination for Deadwood, and he also has the Fangoria Hall of Fame uh, award in 1999. So, And then that's it for awards. It didn't really make its money back in the box office. It made about $9 million on a $10 million budget, but it's, I guess, has a little bit of a cult following. I don't know. It has a really good box art, so I think that would yeah. probably draw people in back in those days. Don't know about so much now. Um, other cast and crew that we haven't talked about, Eric Red is the writer and director. He's known for things like The Hitcher 1 and 2, Near Dark, Blue Steel, and Bad Moon. Norman Snyder, the writer of this, also did things like Partners, Valentine's Day with um, Van Peebles, Mario Van Peebles, Rated X, and also was uh, Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers obviously had a lot more of the psychology aspect yeah. of the thrillers, and that was not brought over to this. Uh, Jeff Fahey, as we talked about from Lawnmower Man, he's going to be in the 1991 movies Iron Maze and also Iran, Days of Crisis. He's been in things like Psycho 3, Serpent Slayer, Darkman 3, Planet Terror, Machete, Alita Battle Angel, and Lost. He was Frank in 34 episodes of Lost, if you know that show. I don't, but maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Duncan is a Tony Award winner for the play Private Lives, and she was also nominated for her stage work on Dangerous Liaisons as well. Um, okay. Film-wise, she's a British actress, so she does a lot of British productions like Loose Connections, Midsummer Night's Dream, Mansfield Park. She's been on the TV shows Rome and Discovery of Witches most recently as well. Kim Delaney played the wife, Karen. I don't think we mentioned her by name. Karen was the wife's name. Uh, Emmy winner and two-time nominee for NYPD Blue, where she played Diane Russell. Also nominated for her roles in General Hospital and All My Children for Daytime Emmys. She'll be in the 1991 movie Hang Fire. Also been in things like Darkman 2 and Project Metal Beast, Mission to Mars, and a TV show called Army Wives, which ran for quite a while but I've never heard of before. We've talked about Zake Smokey before because he was in Rage of Harlem. At least I think we talked about him. Yeah. I think we went over, I... yeah, like his, his, he's a Tony Award winner as well from 1982 for Master Harold and also nominated um, how he fled South Africa, apartheid, and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, I think we talked about him before, so go ahead and watch our Rage in Harlem episode there. Uh, we got Paul Ben Victor, who played Ray Kohlberg. He's a facially recognizable character actor to me. I don't know, like he has yeah, a very I... distinguishable face. I remember, yeah, he's like in The Wire and stuff like that. Yeah, he's in The Wire. He's been in True Romance. He's been in Tombstone, In Plain Sight, which is a TV show, and then also an Invisible Man TV show he was in for a couple seasons. In 1991, his only other roles are on TV shows as well. Father Dowling Mysteries, he makes an appearance, and also The Trials of Rosie O'Neill, which we've talked about a couple times mm -hmm. on this podcast. He's in one of those episodes. Uh, Peter Mernick played Mark Draper. He was a patrolman and father of the bride. Uh, I think he was probably the guy who told them to move their cars near the end. Okay. Probably. <laughs> and he was also in an I episode like, of what? Patrol Man? <laughs> Quantum Leap in 1991 yeah. as well. Uh, otherwise, he's been in things like Hard Rain and Granite Falls. The only other person I want to mention is Bill Jr., the, the you know the kid the who kid. got hit the because he looks familiar to me man. yeah yeah and and that's because Nathaniel Moreau who played Bill Jr. he's also in 1991 movies married to it but he was David in Are You Afraid of the Dark okay 
and also he had a role in Kung Fu Legend Continues, which I think was a syndicated show with, with David Carradine, but uh, I never saw that. So that's, that's the cast and crew in a nutshell. We already talked about awards, so we can move on to true crime and pop culture. Okay, um, well, I'm, I'll talk about a crime first and then get into TV and what happened on this day. Um, so I'm going to talk about the director, Eric Red. He was in a car accident. Okay. Um, so this is fr- from three different articles, the LA Times, Variety, and then LA Weekly. And this car accident slash whatever this weird incident it happened on may 31st the year 2000 la times did a good article that came out in september 23rd 2000 so i'm just gonna quote some of this and then get into maybe the aftermath because i couldn't the la weekly article came out in 2006 and that was just because of like the trial that happened Hmm. Afterwards, in January 2006. So, horror film director Eric Red was behind the wheel of his Jeep Cherokee when it plowed through a West L.A. pool hall on May 31st, 2000, killing two people. And he was driving on a restricted license and suffered from occasional blackouts. Okay. So the two people that died was a bar patron by the name of Noah Baum. He was 34. And then a person who was waiting for the bus, David Roos, he was 26. They were both struck and killed by Red's car after it plowed across three lanes on Wilshire Boulevard over, over a bus stop, through the bar patio, and into the bar. At Q's Billiards. And there were several other people injured. This article on LA Times, his it's his attorney, who's Arthur Greenspan, was doing all of the answering of the questions. Um, so he said that after... So the 39-year-old director, he passed, after the incident, he passed a drug and alcohol test immediately after the crash, spent two weeks under psychiatric evaluation at UCLA Medical Center, and was interviewed by police a month after the accident. Greenspan said, when something terrible happens, you want to blame somebody, but sometimes an accident is an accident. So after... That accident into the bar, Red apparently came out of his car and tried to attempt suicide by slitting his own throat with a piece of broken glass. Hmm. That's why he was immediately evaluated. sent and evaluated at the med- the psychiatric, psychiatric medical center. So others speculated that the director may have been reenacting a scene from a film. And there were 20 other witnesses 
that the detectives were questioning and then the police concluded that the crash was an unavoidable accident and not always this is also the detective saying not always when someone dies in a traffic accident is there a criminal charge red was not charged with a crime at that time and he was still licensed to drive but his attorney greenspan said as it stands right now he's not driving nor does he have any any desire to drive and witnesses say before that accident before the him plowing into that bar someone saw red initially bump into a car at a nearby stoplight and then when the driver of the car that he hit got out to inspect the damage he found that red was slumped over the wheel passed out mm-hmm. so people are thinking it's because he's having these weird blackouts yeah that's that was my first thought too when you said that he had his so his license was suspended at the time of the accident already. Yeah, he was driving on a suspended license. So because of he blackouts. Had, so he had previous previous history of the blackouts before this. Yeah, happened. and then he tapped this car at the stoplight. He was blacked out and then they said seconds later that's when his car sped up into the bar and killed people. But then he came out right. tried to slit his own throat. Yeah, I can speculate on that too, but I don't know if it's worth doing. I mean, it, like, I mean, and if, that's when if people you were... woke up from like passing out and finding finding that you killed somebody. Yeah, like, you're like, really oh shit, to, I'm just gonna yeah. kill myself. Like so, yeah. I mean, hearing, I mean, we see stories all the time that's... about people driving into buildings, and it's usually like older people who have passed out or people who have had heart attacks and things like that, and they just yeah, listen someone to their who's car while they're driving. Like, what if you know people who have a history of seizures or something like yeah. that i'd be curious to know like what movie they think he was trying to reenact i and mean it kind of sounds like even what happened in body parts with what's his face with the legs like all of a sudden his legs just decided to go but um, i don't know they didn't crash into anybody though i mean not intentionally i mean he, like crashed... he didn't crash into a building so like he so he crashed into a building and ki- two people were killed because no of... i'm saying in the movie oh in the movie Draper no did he not. didn't kill anyone so it, no. it's not similar enough for me to say it's a body parts connection so i don't know i'd be interested to it see could have been part. like i mean this is in the year 2000 it could have been yeah. he did other movies besides that or people are thinking yeah, like maybe like he picture one or two or anything like that or bad moon or any of the other ones he's done so i don't know and so and or it could this... have been not his movie that he was reenacting if he was but I, i'd just be curious to know what movie they think it was or it could have just been like a movie he was thinking of doing coming up or something i don't know but in so in the year 2000 this la weekly article i found was from january 2006 and it's a really long article about the trial that happened afterwards because they didn't really sue eric but you know his car insurance company was Mm -hmm. a part of this Mm -hmm. and the insurance company gave the family members of the two men that died they were only offering 
$15,000, so $30,000, but $15,000 each. So it was like a long five-year thing, or trial, where it was a lot of, like, appeals and stuff. In this, yeah. LA, it was, I was reading the article, it's a really long article, and there was a lot of appeals, but by, at the end of the day, I guess, at the end of everything, a jury awarded monetary damages to the families of the victims of $500,000 each. Okay, so going on to sort of TV and what happened on this day. So this is August 2nd, 1991, and it was a Friday. And um, we have the TV guide, but on TNT... It's 7 o'clock at night, where the Pan-American Games, it was like the opening ceremonies that were shown on TNT. And the Pan-American Games were held in Havana, Cuba in 1991. And it was from August 2nd to August 18th, 1991. There were 4,519 athletes from 39 different countries. And the most gold gold medal winners <laughs> well yeah gold medal winners were to Cuba but the most medals won overall was the United States mm. so Cuba got 140 gold United States got 130 but the United States got 352 total medals whereas Cuba got 265 and then third place was Canada, then Brazil, then Mexico. And 1991 was also the debut of bowling in the Pan American Games. Hmm. Do you see who competed in that? Who won? No, I didn't see who won what in this. It didn't show that. But I did see that there was under athletics... That includes walking. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> like, how do you enter into walking? Don't you remember walking? power walking back in the day? Yeah. How do yeah. you enter into power walking? Because like I can walk fast. side to side and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta join a club. <laughs> join a club. Get noticed by the walking scouts. <laughs> but I just thought that was... Yeah, I didn't see, like, who specifically won. I couldn't find who specifically won what. It's but on somewhere. YouTube... Yeah, maybe... And then on YouTube, they show... I found the opening ceremonies. Okay. Well, we can put that on the website if you want. Well, not the whole thing. It was like five minutes of the opening ceremonies. And then also on TV that I just thought was interesting. Because we, you know, we usually just talk about what's on like ABC, NBC, Fox. Yeah. But I think this is the same day as Doc Hollywood. Yeah. So we've covered all that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So... On the Family Channel, was Rin Tin Tin K9? Yeah, that, I remember they brought that show back. Yeah, these are all like... Show. And then the New Zorro, these are all, you know... Yeah. I never watched these, did you? I never A watched. tiny bit, but it wasn't my thing. I it, never really cared too much about yeah. Zorro. Yeah, me neither. I and liked the 98 movie, but that was it. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> And after that was Big Brother Jake and then Maniac Mansion. I remember yeah. Maniac Mansion. Yeah, we've talked about there. Maniac Mansion a couple times in there. That's one that I never really watched either. Which is weird. Yeah, since the video game is awesome. Right, and like SCTV, 
<laughs> cast yeah. is in there, it's, it's, but we didn't watch it. I just thought it, it was so interesting. So Friday did not have the That's My Dog show, right? No, I don't see that. I don't know what the you... The That's, I don't know that's My Dog... Maybe it was on a Saturday night. That was like the dog trivia slash athletic competition show between two families and their dogs. <laughs> that was one of the best shows on Family I mean, Channel. Was it? Oh, okay. I don't know if it was that. 91 or not. Oh, so. okay. But before the Pan, Pan American Games, there was like an hour and a half of Bugs Bunny cartoons... On TNT. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put body parts? I don't know. I was going between like a two and a three. Gotta decide. Okay, this is controversial. <laughs> you say it every time, and it's only controversial to your own mind. <laughs> this a three (laughs) even though we like ripped it to shreds but i was we didn't like rip it to shreds it's like i wanted it to be more like the the ideas that was coming up in my head i was like yeah it would have been cooler if this happened but it was still a good i was like interested the entire time so yeah i'm gonna give it a three yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. On my zero to four star scale, I mean, I'm going to go about the same. It's like two and a half. So, like, we're right there at, like, the middle ground, like, slightly above average. So, yeah, I mean, it. I think we're nitpicking it because we think it could have been better with just a little bit more polish, with a little bit more thought and, and you know, nuance. And, you know, like, let's, let's make these movie-making decisions count. And instead it's just... A couple steps above really schlocky directed video stuff. I don't know. Like it's it's it has great acting as like this is like but like some of the plot. Something that like would that. have been on TNT or something at night. I just like it wasn't good enough to be HBO, but it could have been on TBS. Yeah. It seems like too high quality for something like USA Up All Night, but it might have been on there. I don't, I don't think it was. I don't but. think it was because I feel like this is a good movie. Yeah. I don't know. It's good, but not great. We'll just yeah. say it that way. Uh, every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Yeah, I would watch this. Yeah, I would too. Uh, it would be fun to watch with an audience as well. But even without, I think it's you know. Kind of like fast forward through like the first half hour and, and you know get past the car crash and then fast forward a little bit and then you'll be good. Even though I mean that car crash was bonkers, I was like, what? How can you be f- transported up like that? Yeah, if there is a actual version that exists, like an unrated cut that has like that shot and any other really gory stuff that they had to remove, put back in, then that'd be cool to see too. If you out there want to watch Body Parts, as of this recording in September 2022, it's available on digital rental, VHS, or DVD. Check your local listings, as that can change. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It does help us out. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to watch Highway to Hell. It's available on Tubi, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you then.